Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast pre-combine edition. That's right, just a couple of weeks away for the NFL Combine inside Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. 337 players have received their Combine invites. Now, no, we're not going to go ahead and cover all 337 players in one podcast. That would just be insane. So we're going to divide things up. If you've watched the combine before, they start with the offense, and then they move on to the defense. So we're going to talk offense this week. We'll move on to the defense next week, and then subsequent podcasts will actually break down the results of the combine. What I really want to do is take a look at each position, position by position, really kind of how it's been laid out at the combine. So we'll we'll talk running backs first, offensive line, quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends, really what to expect. Obviously, you've got the big names, what we're looking for there out of some of them. Who are the guys with the most to prove? Guys that are really going to have to show show out when they're running the 40, maybe the vertical leap, bench press, some of the drills, interviews, medicals, things like that. Who's going to fly under the radar? You're going to have some workout warriors that you know obviously are going to jump out. We're going to identify some of them. And really just some of the guys that you figure will be breakout guys, guys that'll actually, if nothing else, send the coaches, the, uh, the scouts back to watch more game film. What you see out here at the combine, you know, in their heads when they're there at Lucas Oil, what I'm seeing out here on the field, is that also translating to game speed? Is all this, tra- the power, the ability to make these cuts on some of these routes, without any pads on, does that translate to game speed? Does that translate that route? Are they able to run that crisp route in the game? What do I see? You know, then that's really what, what they're going to be doing is validating what they see there at the combine. So is it necessarily going to completely impact things? No, but it is one of those things where they're going to either verify what they've already invalidate what they've already seen on tape. And some of the guys that'll surprise them, It'll send them back to watch even more tape, really do you know their homework and study uh, study guys to really make sure that they're really getting a full picture on what they're looking at in a prospect. So 174 players on offense. There are actually 12 special teams players. We'll fit them in. Don't know if we'll have time this episode, but uh, we'll fit in uh, the special teams. They usually go with the running backs in the offensive line. And then... Next podcast, we'll talk about the 151 defensive players. So we'll take a look at that, see where everyone falls. So we've got a lot to cover in one podcast, all of the offense. So we're going to go ahead and jump into things right away in the running back position. The running back position is uh, you know, traditionally one of the first that you're going to see. You're, you're usually going to see the offensive line probably go first and then the running backs. But running backs are usually going to be day one. And uh, really what I want to do is, is really compare – you know, what we're going to be seeing with, with last year's draft class. We've already seen what last year's draft class has done out on the football field. Josh Jacobs, a finalist for the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, you know, David Montgomery in Chicago, Devin Singletary uh, with Buffalo, taking them, uh, helping take them to the playoffs. Alexander Madison filling in there for Dalvin Cook in Minnesota. I thought he looked good. Uh, Miles Sanders for Philly looks like he's going to be a guy to stay. Uh, you know, Tony Pollard contributing with Dallas. Pittsburgh and Benny Snell, um, you know, those guys were day three picks in there in the fourth round. Um, you know, guys that absolutely jumped out and, and, uh, 
made it made a difference. You know, Miles Gaskin, a seventh round pick, he was getting playing time for Miami. You know, he was the last running back selected in the draft, number two thirty four overall, and uh, he was still getting some playing time. So, study what we saw last year and, and really kind of compare that with the draft class that we have this year. So, you know, when we're talking about the running backs, we actually have thirty running backs that'll be invited or that are invited to the combine. So we're going to kind of take a look at, at some of them. We won't really be able to touch on and really break down everybody, but you know, you'll have 30 running backs that'll be there. Last year, we had 31 combine invites. 25 running backs were selected in the draft, and uh, 20 of those, 25, were at the combine. Uh, five were were uh, weren't invited. You know, I thought the biggest snub out of that was was Ty Johnson, who was a sixth round pick of of Detroit. He actually got quite a bit of playing time, believe it or not. Uh, Darwin Thompson, who made an impact there in the Super Bowl, got to play a little bit. Uh, sixth round pick of Kansas City, he wasn't invited to the combine. Uh, you know, Colin Gillespie, you know, he's the fullback there out of Houston. He did not get a combine invite yet. Uh, you know, he, he's there playing for the Texans, got to play out, you know, play in the playoffs. Uh, Kareth White out of uh, Florida Atlantic, the, the backup to Devin Singletary. He went to the Bears and then Chandler Cox, the do everything H back, you know, from Miami. He also was not invited to the combine, but those guys still got selected. Um, you know, so when you look at it, you know, there were six running backs that were invited to the combine um, that weren't drafted, that weren't, weren't a part of that class. You know, and when you look at it, when you're studying things, obviously uh, Elijah Holyfield. When you run a forty, uh, you know, four seven eight forty, that really, uh, you know, doesn't really do any favors for you. Then you you pull off a, a forty nine and a half, or I'm sorry, twenty nine and a half inch vertical leap. You know, really doesn't offer any lower body explosiveness. He was a, a bigger bo- bigger back, big bodied running back, and, and just didn't really show that that explosion that you're wanting to see out of a running back. Um, you know, I, I thought you know James. Williams, you know, pass catcher, ran a four five eight. Really expecting to see a little bit more out of him. L.J. Scott ultimately retired. Um, you know, Jalen Mora um, of Appalachian State. He battled some injuries. He wasn't selected. And then you had Alex Barnes, the workout warrior, a guy who ran a four five nine. Ran you know bench pressed uh, two twenty five uh, thirty four times, thirty eight and a half inch vertical leap, six foot two twenty six. Um, but you it made you at least go back and look at the game film and study things a little bit and he was one of those backs who you know he had a, a breakout season 1300 yards but looking at him I, I wasn't sure that his game was going to translate ultimately didn't get drafted and then Nick Brissett out of LSU ran a 47240 uh only bench pressed 225 15 times just really didn't show off the athleticism that teams were expecting to see out of him um, so those were the guys that weren't drafted so when you look at a draft class you're looking at things those are some of the you know metrics and some of the numbers that are going to jump out at you and and when you're studying it, you're really wanting to see what what, what are you going to be expecting out of this. And so when I look at this year's draft or this year's combine uh, group uh, with the running backs, you know I, I think it's going to be exciting. I want to see you know for example, TCU has two distinct running backs, right? You've got Darius Jet Anderson and you have Sewolana Lula. And, and I'll tell you, you know with, with Jet Anderson, 
I'm excited to really see what he runs in the 40s. 5'11", 212. Uh, he's the same size, you know, believe it or not, as Cam Akers. And Cam Akers gets a lot of hype there at Florida State, and rightfully so. I think you know he really had a bounce-back season uh, you know, as a sophomore, only 706 yards, but able to get back to you know, over 1,100 yards. Um, you know, 30 receptions as well, showed off some more versatility, ability to run between the tackles and on the outside. But look, Darius Anderson, he's a legit pass catcher. And, uh, you know, he was sharing the backfield with, with Alana Lua, uh, but 22 receptions. And if you watched the senior bowl, this was a guy running those angle routes. He was leaving linebackers in his wake. I mean, it was really fun to watch. And so you have him and then you have the bruiser. Alana Lua is a big dude. You know, he's 6'3", 240. Really want to see, you know, how he measures out. Uh, 60 receptions in his career. um, You know, over 1,600 yards on the ground. He's that bigger bodied running back. Is he going to be a guy that we can put in on the short yardage? Is he going to be a, more of a fullback type? You know, you look at a guy like Kadri uh, Allison, who was 6'1, 228, ran a 4'5, 840. Um, you know, the bench press wasn't all that impressive. You, you know, 19 reps at 225. You know, for a bigger running back, you're expecting a little bit more. But, uh, you know, with Allison, he still got drafted in the fifth round by Atlanta, and the Falcons did use him a little bit. And so that's really, you know, what is Alana Lua going to do? Um, he's one of those names that people didn't really talk about with this draft class coming into things. You know, when you really talk about the draft class, obviously you're talking about DeAndre Swift of Georgia. You're going to be talking about um, Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin. You know, that's that's a no-brainer. J.K. Dobbins of Ohio State and the bowling ball, Clyde Edwards-Alaire of LSU. You know, those are the, the top four that you really think of. Deion, you know, you want to see what these guys are going to be running in the 40. You know, how fast are these guys going to be? You know, J.K. Dobbins, I think he's going to run faster than people expect. I think everyone's looking at the, that group of four and they're saying, okay, you know, DeAndre Swift, is he quicker than fast? You know, is this a guy who has that, you know, the burst, you know, laterally, uh, but can he really take the top off of a defense? We know that Jonathan Taylor ran a, a, a 10, 400 meters. What does that equate to in the, in the 10 yard split? What does that equate to in 40? You know, and that's really going to tell you just, you know, how, you know, with his acceleration, how quickly can he get up to top, top end speed and how quickly, you know, and, and can he maintain that through the course of a 40 yard? And, and is he one of those guys who's going to have that break, you know, game breaking speed. You see that out of him. So you're just looking to see if that actually translates. You know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the little bowling ball, man. He's 5'8", 209, you know, low uh, you know, center of gravity, low pad level. You're expecting him to really show out well in the bench press, showing off some of that strength. Uh, and then in the 40, you know, he's another guy. Is he quicker than fast? You know, he, he, he does show uh, really good route running skills. So he's another guy that you'll be keeping an eye on. Um, so I, I think it's going to be interesting with this draft class, you know, at the top with the running backs. But I mentioned Clyde Edwards-Alaire. There's a guy out of Charlotte, Benny LeMay. A lot of people aren't really talking about him. 5'9", 215. So when you're talking about these bowling ball type running backs, you know, both uh, Edwards-Alaire and, and Benny LeMay, he's really kind of a Edwards-Alaire light um, in some respects. Uh, you know, the two guys remind you a lot of Maurice Jones-Drew, MJD. So you're thinking of CEH with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, MJD, you know, it kind of fits a little bit. So you look at Benny LeMay, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons, um, over, you know, 20 touchdowns in those two seasons and and 40 receptions, um, you know, had 54 total in his career. He's one of those running backs that I think people haven't seen enough of him because he played at Charlotte, even though they didn't make it to a bowl game, you know, he didn't, you know, really 
offer up the performance that you're really looking for in the bowl game. Uh, but I thought he played well in the East-West Shrine game. You know, got a lot of playing time, you know, a lot of carries, uh, and you saw the burst. You know, he's, you know, he's one of those guys who's going to be a, a one cut and get things going, um, has a little bit of lateral agility to him as well. He's going to be one of those guys I really want to watch, you know, especially in the drills, um, see how fast he is. And, and, you know, he's somebody that I think is going to send people back to the game film. Uh, one guy who I'm really excited to see because I've been hearing all the hype about is AJ Dillon out of out of Boston College. There was six foot two fifty, and when you watch the guy play, you know he he looks very much like a one cut and go type of runner, a guy who's going to run you over, and you know he he shows off quite a bit of speed. I mean, three time, um, you know, all, all three seasons. Um, let's see. Over a thousand yards for the Eagles uh, this past season. Six uh, over sixteen hundred yards, just under seventeen. Oh, sixteen eighty-five, fourteen touchdowns. Not much of a pass catcher. Only twenty-one total receptions in his three years there uh, at BC. Battled a high ankle sprain as a sophomore. Still had 11, over eleven hundred yards, and you know, just, and just played in ten games. And that ankle just really hampered him. And he still managed eleven hundred yards. He's one of those guys that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. They look at the size and say he doesn't have a burst. You know, the bigger thing that I worry about for him and what he's going to have to show is, you know, is the agility, you know, uh, laterally especially. You know, can he make the jump cuts in the hole? Is he going to be more of a one-trick pony? Basically, you know, patient, 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 hit the hole, you know, foot in the ground and, and shoot through the hole. Uh, one cut and go type of a runner. But is he the guy that everyone's talking about that can run sub four five? You know, if, if he can do that at that size, teams are looking for the next Derrick Henry. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. You know, teams are going to be, it's a copycat league. We already saw what Derrick Henry was able to do for the Tennessee Titans, basically help carry the team along with Ryan Tannehill uh, offensively to a, you know, to an AFC title game. Is A.J. Dillon going to be the next Derrick Henry? Well, obviously Derrick Henry was a Heisman Trophy winner, but you know, that's one of the things they're looking for the next the next guy that's going to fit that mold. So that's going to be a question mark there. What what is he going to run? Um, you know, Eno Benjamin I think is going to show out pretty well in terms of pass catching ability. Um, you know, the bigger the biggest concern I have for him is um, the drops and, and the fumbles. That's really the biggest thing that I think for him, but. Man, this is a guy who can put his foot in the ground and the spin moves. You know, he worked with Ladanian Tomlinson in, in Texas, and the spin moves, the spin out of contact. It's it's really a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, Darrington Evans, another running back that not a lot of people are, are really talking about, but they should be. You know, and the reason being is is not only is this a guy who you know had back to back thousand yard seasons, over fourteen hundred yards this past season. Um, had 21 receptions. He's been building in terms of the number of receptions each and every year. Uh, shared some of the, the time with Jalen Moore um, while he was with uh, with the Mountaineers. But you look at the the kick and punt returns. You know this is a dynamic, dynamic uh, kickoff return guy. Three uh, total kickoff returns for touchdown in his career. Uh, you know, 5'11", 200 pounds. You know, the junior could have come back for another season. I would have liked to have seen him do that, you know, because I think he might have been able to move himself um, higher on the draft board. 
But, you know, the fact is, is this is a guy who has proven to be a home run threat, a guy that can, um, you know, take the top off of a defense. He's somebody to keep an eye out for. Uh, Salvan Ahmed out of out of Washington. What's interesting about him is is his pass catching ability more than anything else. You know, I, I think he's he's one of those guys. He's a, he's a speed guy. Um, but you know, Washington would get him out on the perimeter, you know, 50 receptions in his career, uh, did go over a thousand yards this past season, 21 touchdowns on the ground, 5'11, 196 pounds. You know, you think of, of him as kind of the change of pace type of back and he's, he's bigger than Naeem Hines, but I think a little bit of Naeem Hines, you know, a, a running back who can catch the football out of the backfield. You know, there's going to be a home for those guys. And I think, that uh, Salvan Ackman is going to run run well. I think he'll run a, a pretty quick forty time, but uh, you know I, I I worry about him between the tackles. I worry about some of his his contact balance. Does he have enough of that that strength? You know the lower body strength to run through that. But absolutely, you can get him out on the edge. Um, you know, especially getting him the the football in in space and allow him to do his work. He's someone who might surprise. You know, Josh uh, Joshua Kelly out of UCLA. Nobody's really talking about him either as a as a running back. I think he has a shot at the next level. Um, you know, another guy who likes to hit the hole, get downhill as quickly as possible, square his shoulders, back to back thousand yard seasons after transferring into to UC, uh, UCLA. Um, you know, twenty four touchdowns on the ground. Um, you know, had twenty seven receptions as a as a junior. Uh, just 11 this past season, but a guy, you know, he's 5'11", 219, powerfully built, a guy, like I said, you know, foot in the ground, more of a one cut and go type of a guy, really want to see, you know, if he has any elusiveness to him. And then the, there are the two running backs there at, at Maryland, you know, the two juniors that are both decided to come out, uh, Javon Leak and Anthony McFarland. And what's interesting about these guys, they both bench, or I'm sorry, they both squat 450 pounds. So you're talking about guys, you know, they're, they're not the biggest guys in the world, but they both, um, you know, can bench press, or I'm sorry, can squat out of the, out of the gym. Um, you know, Anthony McFarland, 5'9", 208, um, just, you know, after a thousand yard season, just 614 yards, but he split time with leak. Um, what's surprising though, is, is you're expecting him to really be a pass catcher out of the backfield, just 17 receptions this past season, 24 in his two years, uh, there with the Terps. I want to see if he can catch the football, you know, and, and he's another one of those guys to where is he, is he sneaky fast or is he one of those guys going to be quicker, quicker than he is fast? Another guy that could potentially turn into a Naeem Hines, but uh, I want to see him catch the football. Uh, you know, Javon Leaks, another guy. Look, just ten receptions in his career. Um, you know, wasn't really much of a factor for Maryland until this past season. Uh, Seven hundred thirty-six yards. But what's interesting is his seventeen touchdowns, including fifteen in the last two seasons. And then you look at him in the kick return game. You know, three uh, touchdowns in the last two seasons. Uh, this past season, twenty-six point eight. Uh, yard per return and uh, you know had 30 kickoff returns two went for touchdown he's one of those guys you talk about Memphis and Daryl Henderson was the guy that everyone was talking about but Tony Pollard was that sneaky good back uh, was taken later in the draft and ended up you know having a better rookie season could that be the same thing for McFarland and Leak? that's something to keep an eye on for sure now Obviously, I left out Zach Moss, um, and I shouldn't because, you know, a three-time 1,000-yard uh, rusher, you know, over 1,000 yards in each of the last three seasons. This is a guy who I think more than anything else, you know, he's 5'10", 222. If you have that size and you can run, you know, in the in the low 4.5s or even break 4.5, you know, you're really uh, improving your draft stock. 
the biggest thing for me with Zach Moss are going to be the medicals. This is a guy who you know has battled injuries uh, throughout his career, and if he can show that he can stay healthy, demonstrate that, you know, then you you might have something with Zach Moss. He, he's one of those guys that I think is going to continue to move up draft boards as long as those medicals check out. He shows pretty good hands, 66 receptions in his career, soft hands, you know, especially out on the wheel route, shows an ability to look the ball into his hands, runs really good routes. Um, you know, Zach Moss is one of those guys. I think he shows off some pretty good lateral agility for a running back his size. Uh, another really good receiver, talented receiver is Lamichael Pirine. He was 5'11", 218, you know, just you know, about 2,500 yards on the ground, 27, or I'm sorry, 22 touchdowns. But check this out. You know, he, he came into this season with just 32 receptions, but uh, was a favorite target of Kyle Trask. You know, 40 receptions uh, with five touchdowns on the year. And he was a guy in the senior bowl, you know, who was showing off his ability to catch the, catch the football out of the backfield. Um, if you watched him in the bowl game, man, you know, he was a guy who was running the ball between the tackles, out on the perimeter, catching the football and, and making plays after the catch. Michael Pirine is another guy. He's going to be one of those. I want to see what he does there when, especially when you can, you know, you can compare him to a lot of other running backs. You know, he's going right after Alana Lua. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. He's going after Alana Lua and before Scotty Phillips, right after, you know, a couple of guys after that is going to be Deandre Swift. So you'll be able to really kind of get an idea of, of where Michael Pirine is in terms of his burst, in terms of uh, his lateral quickness, his hands, that's going to be something to really keep an eye out for. And then the FCS guy, there's always an FCS guy that's in the mix. And and this is a guy who's pretty talented. uh, James James Robinson out of Illinois State, 5'10", 225 pounds. Another guy who's just so powerfully built, big physical guy. And, uh, you know, three uh, back-to-back thousand-yard rushing uh, seasons, but uh, over 1,900 yards this past season, 18 touchdowns and then 16 receptions as well. This is a guy who's not going to be a burner. You know, I'd be surprised if, uh, you know, he might run just under five, uh, four, six, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's right, you know, right in that four, six range, but a guy who does show a pretty good burst. I think he's a little bit quicker to the hole, uh, but he's not going to run away from you, but just the power, you know, the, the contact balance, you know, he runs with a low center of gravity, bounces off contact, gets to the second level in a hurry. Um, you know, so he's a guy to also keep an eye out for when you're talking about running backs. Um, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, I think he's going to be a burner. Uh, the, the former Illinois um, fighting a lion eye, uh, moved on to Vanderbilt for his last two seasons, back to back thousand yard seasons. He's going to be someone who I think, you know, is going to really set the, uh, the track on fire, 5'10", 210, uh, really want to see what he can do in the 40. Uh, Michael Warren, I think, is going to put up a ton of reps in the bench press. This is a dude who is so powerful at 5'10", 222 pounds. They call him the truck for a reason. He runs people over uh, back-to-back uh, yard seasons with over uh, 1,200 yards and 33 touchdowns in those games, also with 46 receptions. So a guy who has some pretty uh, soft hands, but he can also be very physical between the tackles. He's going to be a guy to keep an eye out for, for sure. Um, you know, JJ Taylor, 5'6", 185 pounds, the junior, um, you know, battled some injuries, um, you know, during his career, uh, at, at points, you know, really the, the breakout season was his sophomore campaign. 
a redshirt sophomore uh, last season, over 1,400 yards on the ground. He has 62 receptions. So what you're, what teams are going to be looking at is, can he translate to the next level? He's only 5'6". But you know, you look at the, some of those smaller backs like Tariq Cohen. Uh, can he translate? Can he be one of those weapons, especially as a pass catcher? He's so small. Uh, you know, another guy that I look at who's who's on the smaller end is, is Scotty Phillips. You know, five eight, two eleven. Can he? What does he look like compared to uh, Edwards Alaire, Benny Lemay? Um, you know, when I think of Scotty Phillips, I don't think of that bruising running back. Um, you know, he only played in nine games in, in 2019, 18 receptions. You know, he's going to be someone who can he catch the football out of the backfield? He may end up having to, you know, try to showcase that he's one of those change of pace guys. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, Tony Jones Jr. out of Notre Dame, not going to be the fastest guy. He He's one of those bruisers. 5'11", 224 pounds. He'll he'll be a bruiser. I think Jamichael Hasty is going to have to show show uh, show out really well. Um, you know he's a good pass catcher. Uh, you know three straight seasons with at least 25 receptions. 5'9", 205. Can he be one of those change of pace backs catching the football out of the backfield? Um, you know Rico Dowdle has battled injuries his entire career there at South Carolina. Six foot two fifteen. Um, you know so he'll be one of those guys to keep an eye out for. The guy that we're not really talking about much is, is DJ Dallas. You know, he, he's a physical running back there from Miami, 5'10", 214. You know, he's really going to have to stand out. I think in this running back class, he, you know, he could get lost in the shuffle. And he's going to have to show that he can run with power. You know, and that he can, you know, that he has that speed. Does he have any that lateral agility? Is he another one, one, uh, one cut and go type of guys? I think there are other running backs in this class who, who can do a lot of the same things that DJ Dallas can do, but they're more athletic, they're more explosive. So I think that's going to be interesting. Raymond Calais, you know, out of Lu- uh, Louisiana, you know, he, he's coming from a group of five, and he shared the backfield with two other guys, Trey Regis and Elijah Mitchell. What's he gonna look like? Can he separate himself? Um, you know, and the guy that basically was a touchdown maker for for Western Michigan, you know, five nine hundred ninety pound uh, Levante Bellamy, you know, and, and over fourteen hundred yards this past season, twenty three touchdowns. Um, you know, have forty five receptions in each of the last two seasons. Um, you know, during his sophomore campaign, you know, he played just nine games in, in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen combined. So obviously, some medicals are going to have to check out for him as well. So the running back position is really going to be interesting. Like I said, you know, to close this out, you know, we had twenty five guys drafted this past season um, in, in twenty nineteen, and only five were not at the combine. So it bodes well for our group that we have, but you know, when we're comparing some of these guys, it's going to be interesting to see who really stands out and who are the guys that really you're going to have to make things up, especially uh, during their workouts. So we, that takes us to the offensive line. And what's interesting with, with how the offensive line goes is, you know, I have it kind of breaking down tackle guard and, and center, but they really don't have that set up at the combine. You know, and and really, what's interesting when you watch these guys is they always time the forty. And with an offensive lineman, you know they're not going to run forty yards. So you know the four. If you're running a forty and you run really fast, that just shows off some of your athleticism. But really, the bigger thing that really translates to the football field is that ten yard split. That's really what you want to see. You, know, you want to see the arm length. That's going to be very important for some of these tackles. You know, if they don't have the longer arms, if they're not, 
you know, at 34, uh, 40, 34 inches, then, you know, you start worrying about that a little bit. But some of the sh your shorter arm tackles are still able to get it done at the next level. So, you know, they've been able to prove that as the game's changing a little bit, you don't necessarily need to have those long arms. Um, but that's something to keep an eye out for. Uh, bench press, obviously kind of self-explanatory. You have to be able to handle some of these guys, you know, and, and when you're looking at some of the other drills, vertical jump, you know, broad jump, uh, three cone drill, you know, you're just looking for guys who are, who are athletes, you know, do they have that lower body explosion when they fire out of their stance? Are they going to be able to really, you know, provide that, that, that burst and really be able to drive guys off the football. You know, you're going to be looking at body types. You know, you really are. You're going to be looking at guys who are the athletic guys. You know, do they have, you know, a whole lot there into their midsection or not? You know, who are the guys who really have those big bubble butts? You know, the guy, the guards, especially those guys that are going to, you know, really be the road graders, the guys who can anchor, get down low and, and really be able to battle with those defensive tackles. So it, it's really going to be, you know, an interesting, you know, when you watch the offensive lineman, but the drills are absolutely important. You want to see who can move, especially on some of the kick slides, the mirror drills, who's going to be able to stay down in their stance, who looks very comfortable and who doesn't. You know, I can remember when, when we watched Taylor Lewan, Jake Matthews, um, you know, that draft class and the way that all those guys moved, you know, they moved so well, they look so comfortable. You know, it was really just kind of a pick your poison as to which offensive tackle you wanted. Uh, because they moved really, really well. Um, you know, Luan was the guy who had more power to him. You know, he actually fell in the draft a little bit. You know, you had Jake Matthews out there who, um, you know, really looked like a, a tremendous athlete, you know, and he was so comfortable, uh, especially in that mirror drill, because you've got the rabbit that's just kind of running all over the place. And I, I thought that he was one of those guys who just looked so under control and so poised throughout the entire drill. Um, and, and it was just, so much fun watching him. Uh, obviously, you had Greg Robinson there from Auburn, you know, who was the, the the tackle that went number two overall to the Rams. But you know, the guys I was you know I was really concerned with and really wanted to watch were were Jake Matthews and Taylor Luong because I thought those were the two class you know really the class of the offensive tackle group, and uh, they ultimately proved right because you see what they're able to do at the next level. Um, you know, I'm talking about the 2014. Uh, offensive tackle group. And I mean, if you look over, you know, 2015, that was a group where uh, Aust uh, Andrus Pete, Cedric Abwehi drafted in round number one, 2016, it was Stanley, Conklin, Tunsil, um, easy movers and a lot of those drills, uh, you know, Bowles, Garrett Bowles, Ryan Ramchek, you know, Bowles and Ramchek both showed off some athleticism in 2017. 2018, you had Mike McGlinchey, Colton Miller out of uh, UCLA, uh, showed off some surprising agility for a guy his size, and I think that's ultimately what helped him get drafted in round number one. And then this past season, Jonah Williams moving really well. Doesn't really matter that his arms aren't all that long. He can play tackle and guard. That versatility got him drafted number 11 overall. Sucks that he got hurt. Hopefully he's getting back to the Bengals soon. Uh, Andre Dillard, I mean, tremendous athleticism. And I think, you know, Titus Howard... You saw the game film there at Alabama State. You know, very powerful guy. You know, long arms, but he was such an easy mover there at the combine, and that's really what you're looking for out of your offensive tackle position, especially when you're talking about first round tackles. Um, so obviously, when we're talking about first round travel tackles in this year's draft class, you want to see what Jedrick Wills is going to look like. You know, Jedrick, Jedrick Wills is six five, uh, three hundred and twenty pounds. Looks to be the best pass protector in this draft. Every single one of his pass sets seems to just look, you know, 
perfection. You know, a guy, you know, takes perfect angles, the hands, he's very patient with the hands. You know, the, the strike is very powerful, uh, able to, to mirror guys out there on the, on the outside. Um, the power step back to the inside, really walling off the secondary moves. Um, but then you have the power out of Tristan Wirth, 6'5", 322 uh, out of Iowa. This is a guy who broke Brandon Sheriff's records with the with the hang clean, 450, uh, did three reps. He's going to be a guy that you would expect to really set the world on fire with the bench press. Going to be fun to watch him there. You know, the big dancing bear, I mean, man, Mekhi Becton, 6'7", 369. Um, you know, we all remember when Orlando Brown didn't really move all that well at the combine, still was a second round pick and is a starter there for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, he was such a big offensive lineman there. But I mean, you you can go back and point to a lot of guys that that were that you know that are that size. Uh, Phil Lodehold is a guy from from Oklahoma that he he comes to mind. Um, you know, he you know you really want to see what type of athlete he is, and I, I think if he shows off and and really. I mean, if this guy runs anywhere in the low fives, um, then uh, you know you have to be considering taking him in the top ten because you watch him out on the field and he gets out in front of his running backs and is a good lead blocker and uh, surprising agility in the you know in in uh, pass protection, good wide sets with his kick slides, able to beat defenders to the edge. I mean, he's a massive guy as it is, and then in the running game, he just buries guys. You know, uh, he's got these really long arms, not really sure how that's going to translate with the bench press, but he just takes guys and clears them out. Just really just throwing them out of the bar. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's a big physical dude. So really want to see what's going to happen there. Um, if we look at, look back to last year's offensive, ta- um, I'm sorry, offensive line group, um, what you're talking about is. 57 total offensive linemen invited to the draft. I'm sorry, invited to the combine. We've got 52 this year. Um, and we had a, a total of 40 offensive linemen. And if I did my calculations right, you've got uh, 23 offensive tackles, uh, 12 guards, and uh, five centers. So of those 40, only five weren't invited to the combine. So that was Justin School out of Vanderbilt, got some playing time, but the 49ers was a sixth-round pick. Drew Forbes of uh, Southeast Missouri State going to Cleveland in, in round six. George Asafo, uh, 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 I'm sorry, Edgy um, for Kentucky, taken in round number seven by the Giants. And then you look at a couple of the guards. Wes Martin, a guy that I really liked out of Indiana, going to Washington in round number four. And Nick Allegretti um, out of Illinois, Going, uh, going off the board in round number seven. You know, he's a guard slash, ta- uh, I'm sorry, slash center, um, but I have him penciled in with the guards. Um, so those were the five guys that weren't taken. And I think if you look at the, the the group of guys that weren't selected that went to the combine, and my laptop is running a little slow as I'm pulling this up. We had, you know, if I, if I did my math right in my head, that'd be 22 guys that weren't, selected you know you're looking at uh you know some of these guys that didn't necessarily there were some question marks you know you've got a guy like Paul Adams out of Missouri 66318 arms weren't all that long uh, you know wasn't the most explosive athlete in any of the drills um you know Bo Benshaw you know ran a, a 52440 
um, you know, 6'6", 309. He was somebody who you know, just bench pressed 20 reps in, in, uh, in the bench press. He was someone that really struggled with a lot of speed and it made sense. Um, you know, let's see what else we have here. You know, on the flip side, you know, you look at a guy like Nate Davis out of, out of Charlotte. He was the guy who, when he got into a stance, the butt was so low. Uh, you know, 6'3", 316, uh, ran a 5'2", 340, 23 reps in the bench press. So another guy who wasn't the most explosive athlete, but a, a guy when you put on the game film, he really popped. And that was one of the things, I think, when you look at some of these, you know, Shaq Calhoun out of uh, out of Mississippi State, uh, Donnell Green out of, out of Minnesota, um, you know, Nate Herbig out of Stanford was inconsistent with his game tape. Mitch Hyatt, I thought, was very inconsistent there with, with Clemson. Uh, Martez Ivy, what position was he going to play? Really long arms, but, you know, that was a question there. Um, let's see. You know, Tyler Jones, I was kind of surprised he didn't get drafted out of NC State, but really he was kind of that tweener, 6'3", 306, 33 and three-quarters inch arms. What position is he going to play? You know, those are some of the guys that you looked at. You know, uh, you know, Yash- uh, Yashua J- uh, Nijman. You know, is he? Uh, you know, he was a project, six seven three twenty four. I thought that he was a pretty good athlete. I thought someone was going to take a chance on him. He ultimately didn't get drafted. Ended up going to the Packers. I think he might still be on their practice squad. Um, but you looked at him. There were a lot of different question marks. You know, Tyler Romer had the off field issues. Um, you know, Ryan Pope, big six seven guy, but didn't move all that well. Um, William Sweet didn't have a lot of playing time. Uh, Trevin Tate played tackle for Memphis. He was just 6'2", 293, kind of an undersized guy. Uh, nothing really special uh, about him. So those were the guys that when you looked at the combine and you're watching them and you're watching some of these guys, you have some of those question marks out there on the field and, and they don't really stand out at the combine. Then you really start worrying, you know, all right, is this guy really going to uh, make his mark in the draft or not? You know, and is he going to have to earn his way on as a a preferred walk? I'm sorry, uh, as a uh, preferred free agent, undrafted guy that they bring in after the draft is over. So some of the other names to keep an eye out for. You know, obviously some of the bigger names you're going to have. Uh, you know, I, I think. I, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. We were talking about the top offensive tackles. I missed on him. Six five, three hundred twenty pounds. He's one of those guys, you know, you look at him, you know, he's very powerful in the run game. They, they question about, you know, the question really about him is, you know, the pass protection. I think one of the things that he does a lot of times is he he bends a little bit, gets out over his, his toes, and that really worries about you know, worries me about his balance. You really want to see him in the drills. Is he somebody who's going to get out over his toes, or is he going to be someone who can stay you know, more upright and be able to mirror guys and really on the kick slide and things like that. That's something that I'm really going to be looking for out of Andrew Thomas. Is he going to solidify himself as a top 10 guy or is he someone that might end up slipping a little bit, having, uh, you know, Becton and, uh, and, um, Tristan Wirfs moving ahead of him. The other guy to really keep an eye out for is going to be, um, you know, Josh Jones out of, uh, Louisville, six, seven, three, 10, a big, tackle this guy moves so well i mean you watch him as a pass protector he's so light on his feet easily changing directions you know uh, the guys will make a spin move back to the inside they'll get into his body a little bit but he moves his feet so well it, it doesn't look like he ever really panics you don't see him really holding guys because he doesn't panic um, you know, the same can't be said for colton mckivitz the 6'5 321 town uh, pound tackle out of west virginia 
he really struggled in a lot of the game, you know, the, the one-on-ones there at the senior bowl, just really couldn't handle the speed. He's someone who may have to kick inside and he's going to have to, hopefully they'll allow him to play, um, you know, really show off things there at the, at the guard position in some of his workouts. You know, he'll get to play both tackle and guard a little bit. I, I think at, uh, you know, at the combine. So we'll really want to see where he's more comfortable um, Austin Jackson out of USC, 6'6", the junior. You know, he, this is a kid who I thought had a pretty darn good season there for USC, uh, but in some of the big games going up against some of the bigger pass rushers, he really struggled. I think he's still raw. You know, His hands are inconsistent, especially with some of it, you know, the striking. Um, he really got beat. You know, he I thought he did a good job against A.J. Epinesa for the most part, moved his feet pretty well when he was able to cut off the edge, not allow uh, A.J. Epinesa to beat him with some of that technique and some of that power, um, he was able to, to stifle a lot of those runs. But the problem was A.J. Epinesa, if he was getting to the edge, if he was able to attack that um, that outside shoulder and really get that edge on him, he's going to make that soft edge by really overpowering him at the point, attacking his hands. And so I think some of that technique with Austin Jackson. Also, I think you know he's really athletic getting out and being the lead blocker in the running game. I wanted to see more power out of him. So it be interesting to see what he does there at the Combine. Isaiah Wilson, the big 6'7", 340-pound junior right tackle for Georgia. You know, Georgia losing both of their tackles, both decided to come out early. But Isaiah Wilson's a big dude, and you really want to see, you know, it, how how much of an easy mover is he? Does he have a chance to sneak into round number one? I think he and Austin Jackson are two of those guys that, you know, people are, are kind of flirting with, potentially being for late first rounders. I think they're going to be day two guys, but you really... What's he going to do at the combine? You know, can he demonstrate some of that athleticism that you, you really want to see from a guy that big? Um, I think one of the guys who's really going to be a workout warrior is going to be Matt Pert out of UConn, six seven three zero two. I watched UConn play Houston, and I thought at times Matt Pert did a better job overall than than uh, than Josh Jones. Surprisingly enough, I think he's still raw. You know, I, I think he's one of those guys who, you know, hands were inconsistent. Footwork was inconsistent at times, but you know this is someone who you know, he looks like a basketball player out there. Frankly, um, he gets really low out of his stance and he stays there. You know, and so it's like you know you're watching a defender play defense, and that's really what he looks like. That pad level does not creep up, and I really want to see if he's going to showcase that at the combine in a lot of those those mirror drills and things like that. Um, Looking at this group, man, there there are a lot of big dudes. Um, you know, Alex Taylor, 6'9", 294 out of uh, South Carolina State. I thought he proved at the Senior Bowl that that he he belongs, but you know, at the same time, the part that you worry about for him is he is six nine and he has such a such skinny legs. He's gonna have to get into the weight room and really fill out a little bit on the lower body. I think right now he's he's a little top heavy, which. You know, doesn't always bode well for for someone as you know, especially being a you know when you're a, a tackle dealing with some of those speed rushers, um, with that speed to power there on the outside. Uh, you know, Prince Tega Winogo um, out of Auburn, six seven three zero four, another guy who's really raw, uh, but a guy who is very athletic. You know, the hands don't always match up with the feet. That's what gets him into trouble at times. But really, a tremendous athlete. Going to be fun to see what, what he can do there. Uh, Justin Heron out of Wake Forest, 6'5", 291. He's just a guy who just got the job done. you know. And that's one of those things. You know, I remember you know looking at Justin's school, 
you know, I, I look at, at Justin Heron. I think he'll be a fifth or sixth rounder, and he'll make a roster. He'll probably be a swing tackle, probably play a little bit of guard as well. Uh, not really a name that people are going to talk about when they watch this, dra- this draft class, but a guy who I think is going to, to really surprise some people. Um, we were talking, you know, back to the, the bigger guys, you know, uh, Yasir Duran out of Missouri, the best offensive tackle and really best offensive lineman there for the Mizzou Tigers, 6'7", 330 pounds, moves pretty well. Um, curious to see what he looks like. You're also going to ha- see uh, uh, Tristan Colon Castillo, the center there for Missouri, 6'4", 315, uh, one of the more athletic centers uh, in, in this draft class. Looking at this as well, you know, you, you, you want to talk about, uh, you know, Trey Adams out of Washington. This is the guy who's, who's battled, you know, a knee injury and then a back injury. And he just doesn't look himself. He looks a step slow. He looks fat, uh, flat footed at times, you know, and some of his, his sets, you know, he wasn't beating guys to the edge because a lot of his kick slides were basically, you know, there wasn't much depth to them. They're almost horizontal instead of taking the proper angles to beat the guys to the edge, you know, and that, that's one of those things. If a guy got a good jump, he's getting by Adams because he, he looks like he's, he's lost a step. So that's one of the things I think medicals are going to have to check out. And then he's also going to have to show that he can be that athlete. He's going to be the first guy in line. So when you're watching all this stuff, he's going to be the first guy. And so, you know, what, what's he going to do to really show up? Um, that's going to be a huge question mark in my opinion. Uh, some of the small school guys, I'm really looking forward to seeing play, um, you know, in, in, well, really work out, I guess you could say. You know, Ben Barch out of uh, St. John's in Minnesota, 6'6", 308. Is he a tackle? Is he a guard? You know, I really want to see some of the measurables. He can very well end up being a, a tackle at the next level. And, uh, you know, everyone talks about Ali Marpet. Um, you know, I, I think you get a guy from from a small school like that, and you start making some of those comparisons. Really want to see, like I said, the measurables, just how well he moves, but he absolutely you know, shows shows some promise, what he did there, especially in the senior bowl practices. And then Kyle Murphy out of Rhode Island, he's 6'4", 300. If you put on the game film there at Rhode Island, this is a guy who just had pancake after pancake after pancake. He, I mean, obviously you're talking about the, the FCS level, but you know, with a lot, some of these defensive ends, you know, just he was in a different different class, and he would lock onto his man. He'd drive him a good five, eight, ten yards down the field, um, just continuing to drive him down, and then he would just bury the guy. Um, you know, so you really want to see how he shows up. Does he look like he belongs with the rest of this group? Um, you know, if you watch the game film, if that's any evidence, then that's really something that uh, is going to stand out. I think. Um, you know, Danny Pinter of, of Ball State, 6'4", 300, that, you know, the tackle there. Cameron Clark out of Charlotte, 6'5", 293. You know, I mentioned Nate Davis. Nate Davis was a guy who ultimately uh, got drafted and started for Tennessee in the AFC Championship game. Those are two guys who have a chance to show that they belong, you know, show that they they have the athleticism to be able to, to match up. Uh, you know, switching gears a little bit, Ezra Cleveland, guys that, you know, you're talking about guys that have something to prove. Ezra Cleveland, 6'6", 310. He's going to show up really well in a lot of the lateral agility. He's very light on his feet, a finesse guy. I want to see some power. I want to see when he hits the bags, are you going to really get that power and that punch? I just clap my hands. I realize that's really loud, but I really want to hear that. 
I really want to see that from him. And what's he going to bench press? He's got some pretty long arms, but the thing that I worry for him is that he's just so finesse and there's no power. You know, I really worry about that for him. And I, you know, that's one of the things that I'm going to really be keeping an eye on uh, day one of the combine. You know, you've got Lucas Niang, 6'7", 328 out of TCU. One of the better tackles ended up uh, going down to a, a leg injury out for the season. What do the medicals check out for him there? You know, those are the guys, you know, from the tackles, really keeping an eye on it, really wanted to see what's going on. Uh, Sadiq Charles for LSU, uh, 6'4", 295. You know, he's going to have to show that he's a pretty good athlete. There are a lot of other tackles out here. You know, I'm really curious to see, you know, is uh, Jack Driscoll, what type of athlete is he, you know, there out of Auburn? I thought he looked at times like the more consistent and, and the more polished um, technician there at tackle than, than uh, Winogo. So he's somebody to keep an eye out for at the tackle position. Now, when we talk about guards and we transition there, um, you know, when we talk about the guards, I, you know, we don't have a guard in this year's draft that's going to compare favorably to uh, Chris Lindstrom, who ended up going in the, in the first round. I don't think we have a first round guard, but we do have three guards that were taken in, uh, you know, on the on day two, in the third round, and that's you know Michael Dieter, Nate Davis, and then Connor McGovern, who had the versatility of playing both tackle and guard. I'm sorry, it was guard and center. But uh, in any event, when we look at this draft class, we're looking at some of these guards. You, know, you are going to ask yourself, you know, are there guys that are going to be able to come in right away and be able to uh, to make some plays out there? You know, obviously there's Robert Hunt out of Louisiana. He's six five, three twenty seven. Played tackle. Uh, there for the the raging Cajuns, but he's going to be inside at guard. You know, some physicality there. You really want to see what he looks like there. You know, is he? You know, what type of athlete is he going to be? Ben Bredesen and and Shane Lemieux, um, you know, guys that are are veterans. You know, both by both guys played over fifty games for Michigan and Oregon respectively. You know, uh, they're six four, six five. Um, you know, over three hundred twenty pounds. Um, you want to see what type of movers they are, what type of power they have to their game. Um, but two guys who I thought held up pretty well over the course of the season, um, Ben Bredesen, I thought he anchors really well, um, shows some good hands. I thought, you know, the flip side, though, is, is Shane Lemieux really struggled at times with some of the speed rushers. Um, you know, then you have John Simpson out of Clemson, 6'4", 330. This dude is nasty. He's, he's one of those maulers. He's going to want to beat you up and, and bury you. And so I'm expecting to see some power out of him, obviously, in some of those drills when he comes around and he's pulling. You know, you really want to see him, you know, explode into those bags and drive the guys back. Um, you know, and I'm curious to see what he's going to bench press as well. That's going to be fun. Um, another, you know, uh, Logan Stenberg out of Kentucky, another nasty uh, guard, 6'6", 332 pounds. He'll be one of those guys to keep an eye out for. Uh, let's see. And then Jonah Jackson out of, uh, Ohio state, you know, transferred in six, four, three Oh five. I think he's going to be one of the better athletes there at the guard position. You know, want to see, he may be a guy who I think could run sub sub five, potentially probably more so probably going to be sub five, one, five, you know, uh, when it's all said and done, I think he's a pretty good athlete. Uh, you know, the two big, big dudes, uh, there in at the guard position, Damian Lewis out of LSU, 6'3", 3, 3, uh, 332, and then Solomon Kinley, 6'4", 335. Not going to expect them to you know blaze a trail there in the four in the forty, but man, Damian Lewis, 
punishing, you know, especially in the in the college football playoff. He's a guy at right guard. I think I could plug him in and have him play right away. You know, he's somebody that I'm really looking forward to seeing, uh, especially with some of that power. And then Solomon Kinley, you know, he's he's a guy who's going to struggle with speed. You know, really struggled at times as a pass protector. But man, he and Andrew Thomas playing on that left side for the Bulldogs created a ton of uh, a ton of space um, and, and really just generated a lot of movement. One guy that nobody's talking about at, at, at a Boise State is John Molchon. He's 6'5", 318, another guy who plays with power, bit of a mean streak as well. You know, he was the power to uh, Ezra Cleveland's finesse, and I think he's a guy who's going to have a shot late day three. Keep an eye out for him. Michael Onwenu was moving guys around in the All-Star games. 6'3", 375, um, He's 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 a big physical dude, and then you got John Runyon, 6'5", 321, was playing tackle, really playing out of position there at Michigan. Struggled some at times with with speed coming off the edge. I think you move him inside to guard, and I think you've got something there. I think like you look at Michael Dieter and what he's been able to do, you know, at Wisconsin, and then moving on to the Dolphins. I wouldn't be surprised if John Runyon sneaks his way into the third round. I think you know they may have something there with him. So. Let's see. The final guy at, at the guard position is uh, Natane Muti uh, out of Fresno State. 6'3", 307. He's a junior, deciding to come out. And a guy, when he's healthy, you know, pro football focus has him rated as as a top guard in terms of um, you know, run blocking and pass blocking. You know, really a big, physical, nasty type of guy. Nasty disposition. Problem is, is he can't stay healthy. You know, and he was injured. You know, in all all three years there uh, with the Bulldogs in the Valley there at Fresno State, and that's the part that worries me. You know, I think the medicals are really going to be huge for him. Can he be a day two pick? The biggest question mark is going to be those medicals. How's how are those going to show up? And then finally, the you know, well, one final guy to talk about there at the guard position. I just looking at it was Akima Denije. Out of, out of Kansas. He's 6'5", 300. Um, you know, he was a left tackle, but they played him at guard in the um, in the All-Star games, and I, I actually really like that. He's a big physical guy. I think he lost at times with some of the technique at the tackle position, and um, you know, but I think he's big, he's physical. I think ultimately his home is going to be there at guard. If you're talking centers, at center position, I think Lloyd Cushenberry is going to be the guy to really look for. 6'4", 316, junior out of LSU, long arms. This was a guy who I thought anchored really well. Um, he, he was someone who you're know, going up against a lot of the guys there on the interior there for uh, uh, for Clemson. I thought he handled himself very well. I thought that he handled himself really well against Neville Gallimore there when they played when LSU played OU. And you get to the Senior Bowl. He was the one guy that was able to slow down Javon Kinlaw. Um, so doing that um, you know, was really impressive. Uh, I think one of the better movers and a guy who could potentially run sub-5, in my opinion, is going to be Matt Hennessy out of Temple. 6'4", 295, the junior. People aren't talking about him. He's you know, a guy I think you know, as, a, as a sophomore only gave up two total pressures um, out of all of his pass block. Attempts. I think that's what Pro Football Focus had for him. 
very athletic. You know, he's not the most powerful guy, but just he's one of those guys, you know, if you want someone to get a reach block, a guy who's going to be very, um, you know, in the running game, a guy as a pass protector who is going to move really well, he could potentially be your guy. Um, you know, Nick Harris out of Washington, he's a shorter guy, 6'1", 302, but he uses that leverage to his advantage, gets under the defensive tackle's pad level, able to anchor really well, pretty athletic, climbing to the next level. Uh, when we're talking centers, you have to mention Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan, 6'4", 320. Uh, a lot of people think this junior is the top center in the draft class because of his physicality and athleticism. I want to see how these guys kind of separate themselves. Um, you know, the guy that I think everyone's been talking about as the top center is the Remington Award winner, uh, Tyler Beatis out of Wisconsin, 6'3", 321. Started every game in his career at Wisconsin. May not be the best athlete in this group, but you still have to look at the fact that he played with three guys who got, you know, that moved on to the NFL and they blocked for Jonathan Taylor and still got him over 2,000 yards. You know, Cole Van Landen, his left tackle, was just a part-time starter over there. And they were still able to put that together. That's the big question mark, you know, that that I have around Tyler Beattis is, is why people aren't giving him that, that credit. He isn't, you know, he's not the best athlete. But I, I think he's one of those guys who understands angles. I think he understands when he's lining up over somebody what he needs to do to get the job done. Um, he's a guy who, who plays pretty well out on the move, out on the perimeter, pulls pretty well. Um, so, yeah, he's not the best athlete, but I think that that high football IQ isn't going to rule him out. I, I don't have him as my number one center anymore. I'm moving Lloyd Cushenberry up. I think Matt Hennessy is, is kind of moving up because of the athleticism. But you can't rule out Tyler Beattis with that football acumen. And I think the interviews are really what's going to be important for Tyler Beattis, you know, and that's really, you know, you're going to watch the workouts. There are probably going to be some guys that are going to work out a little bit better than him, but those interviews, I think that's really what's going to be key for him, which takes us to the quarterbacks and the quarterback position. What's interesting when you talk quarterbacks uh, a season ago, we had 17 quarterbacks draft, uh, invited to the combine we had 11 drafted all 11 quarterbacks that were drafted went to the combine so you know if you're a quarterback who didn't get invited to the combine you're already kind of at a disadvantage when you're talking about the quarterbacks who didn't get drafted you know you're talking about jake browning um you know limited arm strength nick fitzgerald more of an athlete tyree jackson the big six seven you know we haven't seen a six seven quarterback really translate to the next level uh brett rippon um you know Another guy from an athleticism standpoint, you know, questionable there. Kyle Shermer, um, you know, out of Vanderbilt, you know, and, and Jordan Ta'amu, um, a guy who I think, you know, tremendous athlete. He's there with the XFL looking to get a second chance, but he was just somebody who I think the accuracy at times, you know, just wasn't all that consistent. So you're talking about the quarterback position for this year's draft and what that looks like. Well, quarterbacks, we have 17 quarterbacks. In this year's draft class. And obviously you're going to have Joe Burrow. Is he going to throw? You know, Kyler Murray didn't work out at all. And you still see where he had, where he ended up going. So I'm not at all concerned if Joe Burrow decides he's not going to work out. Um, you know, you'd love to see the competitive fire in him be able to, to, to perform you know, with a lot of these other guys. But I don't anticipate that happening. You know, obviously with Tua Tango Bailoa. The injuries. 
and the the the, the medicals and what that's going to look like. Um, the hip, they just reported that his hip, um, I don't know, I believe it was Adam Schefter, they were talking about how the hip has healed as well as possible that they could have ever asked for. So he hasn't started the football movements yet and the football workouts yet, but he's somebody who, you know, with those medicals, if they can validate that, you know, especially Miami there sitting at number five, he can end up being that that pick in the top five. Um, you know, uh, you know, you look at Jordan Love. I think the athleticism there, 6'4", 225 out of Utah State. You want to get him into the interviews and really talk to him. You have him really break down game film. Really look at this season. A lot of the decision making that he was making, he was forcing a lot of throws. Um, you know, he was really trying to make things happen with you know an inexperienced receiving core. You know, uh, you know, and uh, that that's really one of the things that I, I think is going to be critical for Jordan Love are those interviews. Uh, I think he's going to really test well. You know, I think his his athleticism is going to be there for sure. Um, Justin Herbert looked great at the Senior Bowl. Was a Senior Bowl MVP. Really want to see at the combine. Are you going to see more of the same? Are you going to see him consistently making those throws down the field all over the place? You know, what type of athleticism are we going to see? The interviews I think are going to be important there for him. Teams really getting to see his personality uh, because a lot of people they talk about him being an introvert and can he uh, be a, a leader at the next level? Same concerns were were there for Marcus Mariota, uh, Marcus Mariota, and he still went number two overall to the Titans. So we'll see what what that looks like. Jake Fromm out of Georgia, 6'2", 220. He made some NFL-type throws, but he was inconsistent with those, I think, at times. He's going to have to prove that he has that NFL-type arm um, to be able to make all those throws. Um, Jacob Eason out of Washington, 6'6", 227 pounds. Would have loved to have seen him come back. This is a guy who... There's no question he has the arm strength. He'll be able to sit there and throw the ball all over the field, make you know all types of uh, of throws. The question is going to be the accuracy. This guy throws the ball so hard, you know, short, intermediate, deep balls. He throws the ball so hard at times. There's just no touch. You know, a lot of balls will be won't have much of an arc to it. Won't really allow the receivers to to run under it. You know, he's going to try to just put the ball on a line. He's going to sail that bat. You know, those passes. He's going to have to show that he's worked on that. Um, you know, if he wants to improve his draft stock at all, I think right now he's, to me, he's sitting there at number six behind Jake Fromm. Um, my, my top, top four, Burrow, Tongo Bailoa, Herbert, and then Love. Those are my, my top four right now. After those top six though, man, anything is up for grabs. And, and the guy that I really want you to look out for is Cole McDonald out of Hawaii. 6'4", 220 pounds. This is a kid who... Coming into the season, everybody was talking about him. You know, it was one of those things, man, 36 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, over 3,800 yards. This season, he got off to a rocky start, four interceptions to just start things out against Arizona. Um, ended up with just 14 on the season. You know, he, most of his interceptions were at the beginning of the year. Uh, threw for over 4,000 yards, six, over, just under 64% completion percentage. A guy who could throw the football down the field has a lot of those skills um, that you're looking for in this 
day and age in the NFL. His skill set definitely translates. Another guy who I think is going to surprise some people is going to be you know Anthony Gordon. He didn't set the world on fire there at the Senior Bowl, but I think he's one of those guys who you know running a Mike Leach offense. Look at what Gardner Minshew was able to do. Not the best arm, not the best, um, you know. But he saw the field. You know, just you know, he wasn't the best athlete. I guess I could say to finish that thought. But he could see the field really well. Knows where to go with the football. Tremendously accurate. You're going to get the same out of Anthony Gordon. Has a tremendous release. That's one of the things you're really going to see. Really, really quick release. You know, it's almost Jimmy G like. Um, you know, and you know those guys. I'm talking about them because some of the other seniors really opened the door for them. Uh, Steven Montez and Shea Patterson struggled mightily uh, at the Senior Bowl. They don't really look draftable at this point, so they're really going to have to redeem themselves. On the flip side, James Morgan out of uh, Florida International, 6'4", 213, showed out really well in the East-West Shrine game. This is a guy who is a um, you know, career 57.2% completion percentage. Um, you know, but his first season there at Florida International, over 65% uh, through the air. You know, a guy with 65 touchdowns, 34 interceptions. Bit of a project, but you know, he's one of those guys like Alex Magoo a couple of years ago coming out of FIU, got himself drafted. I think James Morgan will be a late pick, probably you know, late sixth or seventh round pick is probably where he'll go. But I think he gets drafted. Nate Stanley out of Iowa has another chance, you know, another guy who's going to have a chance to be a, a top 10 quarterback in this draft. 6'4", 243, just 58% completion percentage, which, you know, definitely worries you. Uh, but a lot of that is, is some of the deep ball accuracy. Not always able to, to hit the guys there, but if you watch him with the short to intermediate throws, he's absolutely tremendously accurate there. Um, if you watched him in the skills challenge that they had on ESPN, showed off, you know, the, the, again, the accuracy on the short to intermediates, you know, if you tuned in and watched USC uh, take on Iowa in, in the, the holiday bowl, Stanley really lit up the Trojans, um, throwing the ball all over the place to Amir Smith-Marset and just allowing him to run under the ball and make plays. And I think he's going to have to show that that deep ball accuracy. Can he throw that ball consistently? If he can make some of those adjustments, he'll be a name that we'll be talking about potentially in there, in that group with Cole McDonald and Anthony Gordon as that next crop of, of, of quarterbacks. Um, you know, Jake Luton, he's 6'7 out of Oregon State. Um, you know, pretty good accuracy, over 62% in his career. But a guy his size, he's going to have to show off some good athleticism and, and an ability to really move um, because that doesn't really translate. And when you're looking at guys like Dan McGuire and Brock Osweiler and what they did at the at the NFL level, things don't really bode well for him. So he's really going to have to stand out. And then finally, the polarizing uh, Jalen Hurts. Look, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to run a 40. Because there are going to be those comparisons, you know, is he going to be someone who's going to be a running back or a receiver or something like that? You know, we didn't see Lamar Jackson run because he wanted to just be a quarterback. We didn't see Kyler Murray run. You know, some of these athletes there at the quarterback position, they don't want to be talked about as anything other than a quarterback. So you look at Jalen Hurts, 6'2", 218 pounds. We know he's a you know workout warrior himself. He'll probably bench press. Uh, you know, 225, you know, probably 25 times, um, you know, guy who can squat over 500 pounds. You know, he's just, you know, he was an amateur power lifter uh, in high school. 
the question is going to be, you know, his arm strength and, you know, his ability to be accurate with the football, you know, and a lot of those decision-making and the processing and such, he'll, he'll get himself drafted and he'll probably get himself drafted a little bit higher because of some of that athleticism. But, you know, he's, he's just one of those guys. I wouldn't put him in that class just because he struggled uh, quite a bit uh, really seeing the entire defense, taking what the defense gives him. You know, if he, if the first read wasn't there, he was pulling the ball and running it. And you just can't have that at the quarterback position. So he's really going to have to, in the interviews, get up on the board and really show teams, you know, he knows what he's talking about and that he can see the whole field. So we're skipping the receivers, saving them for last because we got 55 receivers to get through. Um, so I kind of want to knock out the tight ends real quick. And, uh, you know, we look at the tight ends. You know, there are 20 tight ends in this year's draft class. The prior draft class, uh, we had 21 invited to the combine. 16 were, were drafted. And all 16 that were drafted were at the combine. You know, and so the, the five that weren't drafted um, out of the tight end position, you know, Kendall Blanton, um, more of a blocker there at Mizzou, ran in four nine five. You know, disappointing there. Keenan Brown out of Texas State had good hands. He's just six two, ran a four seven five. Uh, C.J. Conrad out of Kentucky. Um, you know, I thought he was a lot bigger, but he showed up at six four two forty nine. Daniel Helm out of Duke, just an average athlete. Dax Raymond, I was actually surprised. You know, he didn't get drafted. Big hands, ran a four seven three. But, uh, you know, on the bench press, just bench, you know, 15 times at, at 225, you want to have your tight ends with some power. He didn't bring any of that to the table. Showed off some, you know, some average athleticism. He was the other one that wasn't drafted. Um, you know, and this is a draft class, obviously, that you had TJ Hawkinson uh, and, and Noah Fant at the top of the group. But then, you know, Dawson Knox, Foster Moreau was a guy that was a surprise. Um, you know, Drew Sample got drafted a lot higher than people were expecting out of Washington. He went uh, to Cincinnati in round number two. Irv Smith showed up well for Minnesota. You know, really a, a, a nice draft class at the tight end position. This year we don't have, you know, we had two go off the board in round number one. We don't have that this year. You know, when you look at this tight end crop, we don't have guys that are going to be standing out as a, as a first round pick. And really the question is going to be who's going to be that first guy that's going to come off the board in round number two. And, and my thing when I look at it is, you know, Hayden Hurst, if you're talking about Baltimore, Hayden Hurst was the more complete tight end, but Mark Andrews was a, a, an explosive receiver on the outside for Baker Mayfield at OU and that really translated into an, uh, a Pro Bowl performance there for Mark Andrews at the tight end position. So when you're looking at some of these guys, who are going to be pass catchers? Who are going to be the guys that can be explosive down the field? And then, you know, obviously, if they can also block, that's really going to set them apart. You know, when you're talking about the Travis Kelseys and guys like that, or Jason Witten, you know, what he's done in his career. George Kittle's another guy. You know, you really want to be able to see if, if they can also block. You know, but are they the tremendous athletes first and foremost? Um, you know, and look, you're looking for who's really going to stand out. George Kittle, man, this guy ran a four six forty. You know, thirty seven inch vertical leap was a tremendous athlete, catching everything that was thrown his way in the combine, um, and showed off some power 
as a blocker. Who's going to be that guy this year? Is there going to be somebody that's going to surprise and really put up some big numbers? You know, I don't know if there's really an athlete that's going to show up that way, but we weren't talking about George Kittle as an athlete like that until he really showed up at the combine. Adam Troutman out of out of Dayton, he's one of those guys that I think is going to be interesting. You know, Adam uh, is is probably the best overall receiver in this draft class. He's 6'6", 253, 70 catches, 916 yards, 14 touchdowns, had 31 in his career for the Flyers. Excellent hands, um, runs well after the catch. You just you look at him, and he has the look of a starting NFL tight end um, because he can do everything. You can line him up in the slot. You can you know split him out wide. Mismatch nightmare. Um, you know when I think of you know Travis Kelsey in the playoffs. You know at times was unblock. It was unguardable um, you know, by linebackers and defensive backs. The other guy who I think could potentially be a tremendous athlete out there is Harrison Bar- uh, Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic, you know, the, the Mackey Award winner. 6'5", 240, over 1,000 yards there in the, for the Owls and, and Lane Kiffin. He's just a guy, he's so smooth. When you watch him run his routes, I want to see what he's going to run in the 40. I think he's going to be pretty explosive. I think he's a better athlete than people are giving him credit for. You know, on the flip side, everyone's talking about Cole Kmet. You know, and Cole Komet, I think you know he's he's a good tight end, um, but he hasn't completed a, an entire season. You know, the most games that he's actually played in a season, you know, in his three years there at Notre Dame, um, was his junior season. He only played in ten games, and uh, you know he was battling injuries throughout that. So six five two fifty looks a little stiff in his route running, but he's you know he's one of the better blockers in this draft. I just don't. I see him being kind of a, a mid-round pick at this point. The flip side, you got Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue, 6'5", 245, another really good athlete, 61 catches, 83 yard. Or I'm sorry, 830 yards and seven touchdowns. A guy who can get down the field. He's an explosive up the seam and a pretty decent blocker as well. He's going to be high, uh, one of the higher drafted tight ends, I believe. Um, you know, Hunter Bryant is a guy that a lot of people like, 6'2", 239 out of Washington, uh, 52 catches, 825 yards. He was the go-to guy for Jacob Eason. And, you know, they get the ball to him, create mismatches because he was able to split out wide. He just looks like a buffed up wide receiver. They're bigger receivers. You know, Juwan Johnson, who we'll talk about, and, and Chase Claypool, they're bigger than this guy. He's going to have to be explosive, like an Evan Engram, he's getting in the comparisons to Evan Engram. Evan Engram put up you know over 900 yards there for Ole Miss, so it's not you know too big of a stretch in terms of the production. But can he be explosive? Can he run that 4.640 that we saw out of Evan Engram? You know, and if he's not showing off that speed, I don't think it's going to translate um, at the next level, at least in terms of some of that draft stock. I look at Josiah Deguera out of Cincinnati. He's 6'3", 240. Um, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but he just gets the job done. He's a tremendous blocker. I think he's going to be one of those H-back types. He'll probably be a fifth or sixth rounder, but you're going to see Josiah Deguar. He's a, you know, has really good hands, a weapon over the middle. Um, you know, when we're talking about tight ends who can block, Dalton Keene of, of Virginia Tech, you know, just 59 catches in his career. You know, not the most uh, dynamic uh, guy that's going to be out there, but He's one of those who I think is going to be one of the more physical and one of the better blockers that are that's going to be out there, and that's really going to be his calling card. He'll be a guy that would be, you know, if he gets drafted, it'll be late. 
but he's going to be one of those guys who I think could end up making a roster because he's he's really a a good blocker. You know, he was uh, Deshaun McLeese's um, you know, lead blocker there for for the Hokies. You know, Thaddeus Moss is Randy Moss's son. Uh, great athlete, 6'3", 249. Um, Want to see what he can run. You know, this is another guy who, you know, he has, he's just 6'3". I'm curious to see what the arm length is with him. You know, he's a tremendous pass catcher. The body control is tremendous. Um, Want to see him play with a little bit of power. Is he just going to be a one-dimensional guy that we split out on the outside? Can he really be an inline tight end? That's going to be a big question mark. Uh, Albert Oweboonam, another guy that you have to worry about from an injury standpoint, played in nine games in each of his three seasons there at Mizzou. Man, he had 11 touchdowns his freshman year, uh, finished his final two years with with uh, six apiece. He was a difference maker, though, for uh, Drew Locke. You know, before uh, you know Drew left there after the 2018 season, um, he was the guy that w- would get it open up the seam tremendous pass catcher really want to see what he's going to run in the 40 people are talking about him possibly running in the four fives he's six five two fifty five that'll definitely keep you know everybody's attention but the the medicals you know and his ability to stay healthy definitely a concern there i look at colby parkinson out of sanford six seven two fifty one i liken him to uh you know levine toilolo Levine Toilolo is still playing in the league, by the way. And, and you know, I look at, at Colby Parkinson, and he may be a little bit better route runner than Toilolo, but I think Toilolo also has more power to his game uh, than, than Parkinson. I think Parkinson's a little bit more of a finesse guy, a guy who wants to get out and run routes more so than really be a, a tremendous blocker. So that's really, you know, that's what's going to be interesting for him. I think he'll probably end up being a late, late round guy. Uh, Jared Pinkney. Didn't really talk about him too much. 6'4", 260. Everyone talking about him as a junior. 50 catches, 70, 774 yards, 7 touchdowns. Everyone puts him at the top of their list. And then he disappoints in 2019. Now, we can't put it all on him. You know, the quarterback play really struggled there. Very inconsistent for, for Derek Mason and company. But uh, you know, this is a guy who played in 9 games as a freshman, 9 games as a sophomore, and then 8 games as a senior. You worry about that. You know, worry about some of that durability. And is he going to be a tremendous athlete or not? You know, you really want to see what he he's going to run out there. The flip side, you got you know someone like Stephen Sullivan, 6'5", 242, looks like a receiver out there. Not a ton of production there for for LSU. Played in just six games as a senior, but the athleticism is going to be intriguing. You know, Char, uh, Charlie Ta, uh, Tabopeau for for Portland State. He's 6'3", 245 pounds, but I look at him as another guy who can be that that H-back type, be somebody who you know can be a good blocker and also catch the football, um, whether it's you know splitting him out or uh, as an inline blocker. I think he's someone who's going to run pretty well as well uh, there at the combine. I'll be excited to see him play. Charlie Werner didn't get much of a chance there at Georgia, 6'5", 245, just 34 catches in his career. Um, but he's somebody who I, I think, you know, showed off when, when he got a chance, showed off some hands, but I thought he was a really, really a good blocker there for Georgia. They did a lot of runs, uh, for that, you know, Dominic Wood Anderson out of Tennessee, six four two fifty seven. He and Werner, 
you know, not, not a ton of pass catches, you know, uh, for Wood Anderson, just 38 in his career. But these are two guys who are going to be physical blockers. Um, you know, I think Sean McCown out of Michigan is another guy. Um, shows up well as a blocker. A little bit more uh, in terms of the stats from McCown as a sophomore, uh, 31 receptions. But, uh, you know, in the final two seasons, just 27 combined, 6'5", 246. He'll be one of those blockers that you're going to be looking at. You know, Mitchell Wilcox out of South Florida, 6'5", 245. 100 catches in his career, 11 touchdowns. Um, you know, a guy who I think could be a weapon up the seam, but he's one of those guys that I kind of worry about that could get lost in in the mix here for this draft. He's really going to have to do something to kind of separate himself and really show people that he is draftable. And then for for Cheyenne, uh, C.J. O'Grady, uh, 6'4", 256 there out of Arkansas. Um, you know, a guy who showed that he can be a weapon up the seam, but I worry about him from an off-field standpoint. So I think the interviews for him are going to be critical. Teams are going to have to really see if this is a guy who has learned from his mistakes, can he really improve you know, and show out there at the next level? Um, you know, stay, you know, and really stay out of trouble. Devin Asiasi for U, uh, UCLA, 6'3, 279. You know, to me, he was one of those guys I didn't see enough. I saw some flashes, but I really would have rather seen Noah Togiai out of Oregon State um, get invited to the combine um, than than really Asiasi. But you know, Devin was a guy who was a was a junior and came out, so they they're giving him the opportunity. I, I just look at him. You know, I, I didn't see enough to really say. You know, yeah, he's he's going to get drafted. Uh, the other guy that I worry about is is Jacob Breland out of Oregon. You know, 6'5", 250, another guy from the medicals, tore up his knee, having a great senior season, too. Uh, in just six games, 26 receptions, 405, uh, and six touchdowns. Man, you know, he was one of her, uh, Justin Herbert's favorite targets, and he was showing off some pretty good explosiveness. The question is going to be is how is he going to rebound off of that knee? I think he still gets drafted. I think he's going to get drafted late, probably a you know, seventh-round pick. Someone will take a late, usually a late-round pick on him. But he could, you know, if that knee holds up and the medicals come back and he's able to, to get back to uh, some of that form, you know, some of the explosiveness, then, you know, you may have something there. Remember, Rob, Rob Gronkowski, as a second-round pick from Arizona to the Patriots, he was hurt for, for the majority of that year. And so he didn't get to really participate in, in any of the drills. So he was kind of an unknown uh, in, in some respects. So he still was able to, to get there to the next level, showed off that he is, you know, that he was healthy and ultimately is going to go down as a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, more than likely there at the tight end position. So that's the tight ends. We're going to go ahead and now focus on the receivers for the remainder of this podcast because we've got 55 receivers in this year's draft class. If we look at last year's draft class, we had a total of 48 that were invited to the combine. 28 of those guys um, were were, uh, were drafted. I'm sorry, no, 28 total uh, receivers were drafted, and 24 of them came from the combine. So the only four that weren't invited, uh, a Juwan Winfrey of Colorado. You know, then these guys were drafted in the sixth and seventh round. Marcus Green out of Louisiana Monroe, uh, Scotty Miller out of uh, Bowling Green, and uh, John Rasua out of Hawaii. You know, these were guys who obviously group of five guys. But with the exception of Winfrey, 
Um, but but guys that that didn't go to the combine, you know, didn't really make a name for themselves, you know. But guys who were really good football players, you know, Marcus Green was somebody who I thought in the return game at ULM, um, you know, a smaller receiver, you know, same thing with Scotty Miller, you know, there at Bowling Green, you know, one of those guys, you know, you're trying to find the next Cole Beasley. And so you look at two of those guys, hey, that could potentially be that fit. John Ursua was a weapon there at Hawaii, you know, got injured, comes back, and, and you know, was one of the nation's leading receivers. And then Juwan Winfrey, I got to watch him play against USC and you know, live. And you know, they're in, in Boulder. And this was a guy who could get vertical on you. So you can absolutely, these were guys who, you know, you're trying to fill a need at the receiver position because you don't want to have five of the exact same receiver. In your your wide receiver room, you want you want to have some of that variety, and I think that's really what teams were looking at when they were drafting those guys. You know, they weren't the bigger names, but they were all guys who could potentially contribute. And you know, those guys stuck around on the rosters. You know, and and that's one of the things that is going to be interesting to see with this year's uh, draft class. Who's ultimately going to to be targeted? Now, obviously, you know you're talking about Marquise Brown and, and Nikhil Harry in round number one, but then, man, you know it, it it's hard to believe. Like you know, Devontae Adams fell all the way to, to round number two, but you have Debo Samuel and AJ Brown coming off the board next. You know, Mecole Hardman there in, in round number two. Uh, DK Metcalf fell to 64 overall to Seattle. Uh, Terry McLaurin was in the third round. You know, it's it's really you know Hunter Renfro for Oakland and, and Darius Slayton uh, to the Giants in round number five. Um, you know those were steals. So you, you look at the the draft class. Ola B C Johnson was in the last receiver taken, number two forty seven overall, made an impact there for the Vikings. So these receivers they can come on at, at any point. Uh, but when you're talking about who's draftable and some of the guys that 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 weren't drafted, you know some of these guys that you know just. You know, there, there were question marks. You know, there are guys that, you know, they weren't complete uh, receivers. You know, you have uh, Felton Davis was battling some injuries. Uh, Jamal Custis, you know, really more of a one-trick pony getting vertical. Emmanuel Brown from Northern Arizona didn't really separate himself as an athlete. Uh, Tyree Brady, you know, really kind of, you know, at, at, coming out of Marshall. Uh, ran a 4.74 at his pro day. Not all that spectacular. Uh, you know, Greg Dorch was really a, a short guy. Um, you know, Keelan Doss didn't get drafted, you know, kind of surprising, but Oakland ultimately brought him on, you know, you saw him at the, um, as part of hard knocks, wound up making his way back onto the roster after the whole fiasco with, uh, you know, Antonio Brown, you know, little Jordan Humphrey, man, if you run a four, seven, four, seven, five as a receiver, that's kind of almost the kiss of death. Um, you know there were surprises. Jacoby Myers out of NC State, you know ran he ran a four six three. You know and ultimately New England picks him up as a free agent and he was able to to show out pretty well for them. Um, so you know you look at the at the receiver class. Some of the guys that didn't really separate themselves. They're just kind of a guy that were out there. They didn't get drafted. So when you look at this year's draft class, obviously. We talk receivers. You have to talk about C.D. Lamb at the top, along with uh, with Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Lavisca Chenault, T. Higgins, Jalen Rager, 
Those are going to be names, and Justin Jefferson. Those are names that obviously you're going to want to watch. You're going to want to see um, who's going to be the fastest in terms of the, the 40s. You, you can expect that Henry Ruggs is probably going to run the fastest of the bunch. Is John uh, Ross's 40 time, that 4-2-2, is that going to be in jeopardy here? Uh, that's a big question mark You know, with, with Ruggs. I think Jalen Rager, I think he's actually going to show up and, and be quicker than he is fast. I don't think he's going to be the fastest, you know, one of the faster 40 times. I could be wrong, but you know, I think he's quicker than fast. I think he demonstrates that with his elusiveness, but you're going to see him just juking guys all over the place. It's going to be a lot of fun. Jerry Judy, I think, can get vertical, but you know, he's really going to show up well with his route running ability. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch there. Um, CeeDee Lamb, you know, I, I you know, here's the thing. To really solidify yourself as a top 10 pick. You want to try to break that four-five barrier when you're talking about these bigger receivers. You know, Mike Mike Evans was the one guy that didn't run break the the, the four-five and still ended up being a top ten pick. So I, I really wonder with C.D. Lamb, you know, where he's at. He'll probably run probably in the four-five-three, four-five-five range would be my guess. But if he can break four-five, I think you're talking about him in the top ten. I think the same really goes for Judy. You know, if he can showcase his, his route running ability at an elite level and then showcase, you know, really the improved hands. He dropped a lot of easy balls, you know, and that's what you didn't see out of a lot of these elite wide receivers. That's what you want to watch. LaVisca Chenault, obviously from a medical standpoint, this is a guy who couldn't stay on the field for, for Colorado. You know, battled a lot of injuries. You know, battled through injuries, but you know, it was just one of those things that would limit his effectiveness. Can he run all the routes that you need? They're going to run a lot of different routes. How polished a route runner is he going to be? And then really how fast, you know, you know, can he really separate on the outside? I think he's able to do that. He's been able to showcase, especially when you put him in the backfield, how quickly he can accelerate to his top end speed. Same can't necessarily be said for T, T. Higgins. Can he separate down, down the field? What's interesting is, is pro football focus reported that he caught 15 of his 23 targets, you know, down the field, deep balls uh, for over 500 yards. So he can get deep. He can create some late separation with his size. But when it counted, especially against LSU, he couldn't really separate from those defensive backs. So that's going to be a concern. You know, I, I think with Justin Jefferson, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's one of those guys, you know, the savvy route running, I think, is going to be on display. And when we talk about guys who aren't all that fast but great route runners, you're going to see that from Van Jefferson. I think he's very advanced as a route runner there for Florida, the, the son of, of Sean Jefferson, the, the Charger great. Uh, J- James Prochet. This is a guy who could very well have been a uh, a third round pick, I think, in most years, but I think he's probably going to fall to round number five. I think that's probably where I have him coming off the board, and uh, it's really a shame because you look at James Prochet over 300 receptions in his career, just under 4,000 yards, 39 touchdowns. This guy was uh, explosive for the Mustangs. And uh, I think he's going to make a roster. He'll probably be like the third receiver, play out of the slot, and uh, excellent body control. He's somebody who I think can be on a roster for a long time. Uh, a lot of people love Donovan People Jones and his a- athleticism. I really want to see it because I didn't always see that out on the football field. A lot of people said, hey, he, di- he didn't get the great quarterback play out of Shea Patterson. I didn't see consistency from him. 
One guy, though, who I did see consistently making plays was Michael Pittman Jr., 6'4", 220. The senior, over 100 catches for SC, 1,275 yards, 11 touchdowns. And what he did to Utah against you know guys who were going to be at the combine, Jalen Johnson, Julian Back, uh, Blackman, Terrell Burgess, Javelin Guidry, he torched them. You know, and it really wasn't funny. I mean, he'd get deep, and there wasn't a ton of separation. But he knows how to, how to go up and high point the football, get some late separation, which a lot of times is, is more important than anything else. Get that late separation, attack the football in the air, and then he's such a load to bring down. He also showed an ability to really get a good release and beat some guys you know, off the line with his athleticism, with his route running at the Senior Bowl. And I look at USC, and with all the receivers that they have, you know, with, with Tyler Vaughns and, and Amonra St. Brown, they have these receivers that they can throw to. Drake, uh, Drake London, the, the talented freshman as well. And teams were really, you know, Washington, you know, playing, playing the deep safeties and everything else. They were really trying to design their defenses to stop Michael Pittman. And that's the thing. If you've got a receiver where the defense is running a defense, running their, their secondary, running, you know, whether it's, you know, cover two, um, you know, whatever it is that they're doing, are they bracketing the receiver? If you're really running a defense to stop one receiver, and they can say all they want. That's really what they were doing. They were trying to take away Michael Pittman Jr. because they were trying to get Tyler Vaughn's Amonra St. Brown to beat him. They didn't want Michael Pittman to be that guy. And he was still dominating, you know, being able to make plays over the middle. To me, he's going to be a second rounder, but I think he's one of those talented receivers. I want to see what he runs at the combine, though, because I think if he runs, if he can somehow break four or five, I don't think it's going to happen. I think he'll probably be a mid four or five guy. Um, you know, he'll he'll get people talking. You know, as a top potential top forty pick. You know, Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State, man, six one two oh six. I want to see what the arm length is going to be. He looks like he's so long. Um, you know, he's a guy who's explosive in space, can make guys miss, but also a vertical threat. Uh, you know, 65 receptions over just under 1200 yards, 18.3 yard per catch average, and then eight touchdowns. Very explosive guy, you know, in the return game as well. Ran a punt for, uh, for a touchdown, had 14 punt returns and had a 16.1 yard per, uh, return average, which tells you, He's pretty sudden. He can make guys miss in the open field. He's a sleeper for me for the first round. I think he's one of those guys who I think if he has a really good combine or really good you know individual workouts, he could sneak into round one. He's one of those sneaky guys, uh, sneaky good receivers. So as we scroll through, we take a look at some of the receivers. Um, you know, Juwan Johnson, I think one of the more physical receivers in this year's draft class. Really want to see what he runs. In the 40, I'm really curious to see how you know how explosive he is. I think he's going to be one of the more one of the stronger receivers. Plays with a little bit more power. Want to see what he can do as a blocker. Um, Chase Claypool is a monster there at Notre Dame. A big dude, 6'4", 229 pounds. Curious to see what he runs in the 40. I honestly want to see either him or Juwan Johnson, who's even bigger than him. He's 6'5", almost 240. I want to see one of the two of them really get converted to the tight end position. Be the next Darren Waller. 
you know, you could probably end up being the second, third, possibly fourth receiver on an NFL roster, you know, as a wide receiver. But you moved to that tight end position, and I think you got something, especially with those bodies, man. They're they're big bodied guys, and and they're really, really guys that um, know how to use their body to their advantage. And I think they'd be a you know just a matchup nightmare for safeties and for linebackers. If you're looking for a guy kind of flying under the radar, how about Quintez Cephas out of Wisconsin, six one two oh seven, the junior. You know, he he had to battle back. You know, that's one of the things that was kind of you know 2018. You know, was not kind to him. He was uh, there was an allegation of of sexual assault against him. He was exonerated. The school brought him back, and ultimately the football team brought him back onto the onto the roster. And you know, he had a he had a great year. You know, over 900 yards receiving. You know, seven touchdowns. His thing. Quarterback play struggled at times, but he was someone who, when he got vertical, there were very few guys that could hang with him. So that vertical speed, I really want to see what he runs in the 40. I want to see what the 10-yard split is because he's one of those more explosive guys who can get to full speed in a hurry. And I think he's somebody that teams are going to be talking about as things go along. Um, let's see, as we scroll through... I mean, there's so many receivers to talk about. Brian Edwards out of South Carolina, model of consistency. Uh, over 3,000 3, yards receiving, 234 receptions, 22 touchdowns. You know, just pretty consistent numbers all the way throughout his career. Um, Going to be curious to see, you know, what type of athlete he is. And Antonio Gandy-Golden there for Liberty. He'll probably end up being a day three guy just based on this depth of the draft class. But another 6'4", 220-pound receiver, just smooth on the outside. Really a large catch radius. 17.7 yards per reception. Went just under 1,400 yards. Back-to-back, 10 touchdown seasons for Gandy Golden. Um, He's a guy that, you know, even when he played against top competition, he, he looked like he belonged. And that's something that you know you really want to see. What's he? You know, we talk about the forty time, and that's not everything. But at the end of the day, when you've got some of these bigger receivers, if they can show off the fact that they can they can really get down into the low four fives or running, you know, in the four fours, that's going to make teams take notice. You know, Antonio Gibson out of Memphis is one of those guys who can be a receiver. He can be a running back. He was a running back at the Senior Bowl. He's slated to work out with the receivers at the combine. So the scouts are going to get to see a little bit of everything out of this guy. You know, 38 receptions, 33 carries, uh, also had, let's see, uh, 23 punt returns, and uh, finished with 13 total touchdowns. You know, 12 on the offensive side of the ball, 8 as a uh, running the football, and 4 receiving, and then uh, a punt return for touchdown. He's built like a running back. He and and, uh, and Lavisca Chenault, both six two, around two hundred twenty pounds. They look like running backs. You know, at the wide receiver position, uh, Chenault was asked to line up. You know, in the backfield at times, and uh, same with Antonio Gibson. So those are two guys you'll kind of be comparing the two of them. Um, you know, teams that they miss on Lavisca Chenault in round number one could potentially get an Antonio Gibson sitting there in the round you know, round four, round five, round six range. KJ Hamler. 5'9", 176, redshirt sophomore, explosive receiver. Um, but he's one of those guys for me that I'm not as high on him as a lot of other guys. You know, a lot of people are talking about him with his explosiveness. He could potentially be a first-rounder, potentially going to uh, Green Bay. 
I actually have Jalen Rager, <coughs> ultimately, excuse me, ultimately going in uh, in round number one. Um, he's not there currently if you go to my website, but he'll be there in my next iteration of my, my mock draft. I think Jalen Rager is somebody who you really can't study his 2019 tape with the poor quarterback play. You look at 2018, and I went back and read my notes and, and watched some of the game film from 2018. He is an explosive receiver. I think I was given, you know, um, giving him too much of a hard time because of, you know, it was ultimately a lot of, a lot of it was because of the quarterback play. I look at KJ Hamler though, you know, he had Sean Clifford, the two of them were dialed in and yes, he, he could separate at times, but you know, some of the contested catches, you know, he would go up, um, he, he'd struggle at, at times, you know, as he'd go up and high point a football hands were, were apart, weren't actually coming together to, to high point the ball. He's somebody to me that, you know, I, I look at him, he's so small, he's going to have to play out of the slot. Can't really put him out on the outside. Um, I'm not as high on him, like I said, as, as some other people are. You know, Devin Duvernay out, out of Texas. Another guy who I think is going to run really well, 5'11", 210, built really well. He's, he's a sh- you know shorter guy. He's not over six feet, but uh, he's, he's solidly built. 106 receptions, over 1,300 yards, and 10 touchdowns this season with Colin Johnson there. You know, which, by the way, Colin Johnson, another guy, you know, Johnson and Johnson, between he and uh, and Jawan Johnson, I think the two of them really need to consider being tight ends. You know, Colin Johnson, when he came back, yes, you know, people were talking about the athleticism. I want to see, you know, just how much stiffness there is to him. You know, a lot of people are giving Tyler Johnson a hard time. I think that guy really runs sl- uh, slant routes really well, attacks the middle of the field. Um, but is he anything more than a fifth round receiver, especially in this draft class? 6'2, 205. He's going to have to show that he's a tremendous athlete. Back to back, thousand yard seasons there for the Gophers. But is he an athlete? Is he a tremendous athlete? That's the thing that's a big question mark that you're going to have. Denzel Mims, though, he has, has an opportunity to be a day two guy. He, he's 6'3, 215, over a thousand yards uh, in 2017 and again in 2019. Had you know, 28 touchdowns in three seasons there for the Baylor Bears. But uh, the senior, look, you know, in the senior bowl, I thought that, you know, the flair for the acrobatic catches, you know, just diving diving for balls, high-pointing footballs, you know, making catches in the back end zone with body control, getting his feet down before he goes out. He's one of those guys who's going to be a sleeper uh, in this draft class. You know, K.J. Hill out of Ohio State, he'll be probably a day three guy, probably a fourth, fifth round guy. Uh, reminds me a lot of, of Terry McLaurin with his route running ability. You know, somebody who ran a lot of underneath routes for the Buckeyes, but somebody who I think, you know, Terry McLaurin, I think is a good comp for him. Um, let's see, Malcolm Perry out of out of Navy, the Naval Academy. This this is a guy who's going to have to get used to being a receiver, but he's 5'9", 190 pounds, you know, over 4,000 yards on the ground, 40 touchdowns um, as a, a runner. Played some receiver, um, but uh, you know, really, he's going to have to show that he can he can be a pass catcher. You know, he's running with the receivers. I think there's a chance that Malcolm Perry, you know, if nothing else, be on the practice squad, really be a you know a developmental guy, but could end up being a slot receiver at the next level. He has some of that explosiveness. Speaking of explosiveness, Joe Reed, man, look at all these receivers. It's crazy. Six one two fifteen, and uh, a guy. You know, what really jumps out to you is his return ability. 
you know, the kickoff returns, you know, five return for touchdown. I mentioned he was two, uh, weighs 215, very powerful after the catch as well. Um, so he has some elusiveness to him, has really good power. He's a guy that I think can end up making a name for himself. Um, you know, I keep scrolling through the list and, uh, you know, there's some guys that I just, I'm questioning why they, why they came out. I want to see what Quez Watkins does for South Carolina, uh, over 11, 1100 yards, you know, 6'2", 190, but can he really separate himself? Can he really prove that that he belongs? Cody White of Michigan State is going to have to really, you know, that if he put on the game tape against Ohio State where Okuda, he couldn't separate from Okuda, what do you think is going to happen at the next level? He's somebody who's really going to have to uh, separate himself from these guys, find a way to do that. Jeff Thomas out of Miami, just 5'10", 174. You know, terrible quarterback play there for the Hurricanes, but a guy, you know, he was a vertical threat. He was going to run pretty well, but he's going to have to, again, separate himself, show that he can make some of the catches um, you know, down the field and, and be a dynamic receiver. Kendrick Rogers, to me, 6'3", 204 from Texas A&M, the junior, you know, another guy. You know, he played in, in just 23 games in three years there for the Aggies. Wasn't always on the field, you know. Disappeared a lot of a lot of times during the games. He's probably going to be a pretty good athlete. He's going to show off some athleticism, leap, you know, some leaping grabs. But uh, you know, I'm I'm not so sure there. KJ Osborne out of uh, Miami transferred from Buffalo to Miami, and uh, you know, didn't have quite the the statistical season that he had as a junior there. You know, catching passes from Tyree Jackson. But, uh, you know, he, he's one of those leaders. I think he stepped into a role there. He's somebody that I think at least keep an eye on him. You know, I think he's somebody who, if he can run well, teams are going to look at him as, as probably a midday three guy when it's all said and done. Um, continuing scrolling through our wide receivers before we come to an end here. Christian Jackson for Syracuse. You know, there's a Syracuse receiver last year, Jamal Custis. He was a senior. You know, Christian Jackson transferred from Michigan State to Syracuse, played in just one game in 2018, 2019, thousand yard receiver. Boom, enters the draft. You know, he's a vertical threat, a guy who can get down the field, but can he do anything else? That's going to be a big question mark there. He's going to have to really demonstrate, you know, his knowledge of you know a lot of the different route running. Then you look at Isaiah Hodgins out of Oregon State. He's 6'4", 209, junior, 86 catches, 1171 yards, 13 touchdowns. Had a really good quarterback, Jake Luton, throwing the football to him there for the Beavers and Jonathan Smith's offense. What type of athlete is he? You know, is he somebody who? You know, he, he made some catches down the field. I thought a lot of them were in the red zone. I thought a lot of them were, you know, a lot of the 50-50 balls. I don't know that he can necessarily separate down the field, and that's going to be the question. That's going to limit his, some of his draft stock. He's going to have to really prove that he can be a, a dynamic receiver. Um, you know, I look at some of these guys like John Hightower of Boston, or of Boise State, Stephen Guidry of Mississippi State. Now, I, I just I, I don't know that these are Aaron Fuller of Washington they have their moments, but I just don't know that they're going to be guys that can really make an impact at the next level. You know, I, I think there's some other receivers that are more explosive. I look at Chris Fink out of Notre Dame. He'll be an intriguing guy. 5'10", 184 pounds. This, he's just a tough receiver, man. He's somebody who can play in the slot, and that's one of the things. Talking about some of those other receivers, I think Fuller could probably play out of the slot as well. Um, you know, Fink, his, his toughness is what kind of jumps out to me. Aaron Fuller, his hands, making some one-handed grabs there for Washington. Stephen Guidry, 6'4", 200. 
Um, you know, so he has some size to him. John Hightower, uh, actually, you know, a, a decent return guy, you know, returning kicks there for Boise State, returned one for a touchdown in 2019. Um, you know, 51 grabs, 943 yards, and eight touchdowns this season. Really a go-to guy um, at that quarterback position with Hank Bachmeyer and, and Jalen Henderson, a lot of question marks there. Still able to produce, even though he had, you know, some questionable uh, quarterback, you know, really who was throwing the football to him week in and week out. So I think the the savviness there of John John Hightower, I think, could get him drafted late. Um, so that'll be interesting. Uh, Courtney Davis, you know, I think some of the route running, you know, jumps out to you a little bit there for for Texas A and M, six two, two hundred pounds, the junior, um, and then Gabriel Davis out of UCF, very intriguing, 6'3", 207, could potentially be a day two guy, 72 receptions, over 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns on the year, uh, over 17 yards per reception under his belt. He's he's an interesting guy. You know, he's he's a big target. He was a guy who could get vertical, um, a red zone option, you know, can high point the football. He's one of those big guys, you know, he's like a Michael Pittman type, and you just worry that he's going to get lost in the shuffle. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that he shows up pretty well at the combine. Man, don't run in that 4-6 range. Run in that low 4-5, possibly even break 4-5. Get into the 4-4s. That's really what you want to have next to your name. When, when you're scrolling through and looking at some of these, that's going to be what you really want to see. And I think he's going to be able to do that because he was able to get down the football field with regularity for uh, UCF. Um Lawrence Cager out of Georgia, you know, a big guy, 6'5", 220 pounds. He really showed that he was a weapon there for uh, Jake Fromm. Um, he could potentially get some interest late on day three. And then the the guy that's really interesting and a guy who has a chance to be a day two guy, probably a third rounder, uh, is Lynn Bowden Jr. out of uh, Kentucky, the junior, 6'1", 199. And look, you know, as a receiver, over 1,300 yards receiving, um you know, and uh, you know, this past season though, with the quarterback situation, all the injuries the quarterback as the receiver, he was asked to transition and really be a quarterback. And, and the quarterback position, look, you know, he, he he struggled with his his accuracy. You know, just forty seven percent completion percentage, but you know, over fourteen hundred yards running the football, thirteen touchdowns, seven point nine yards per carry, dynamic with the football in his hands. You think of guys, you know, like Antoine Randall L, uh, transitioning to the receiver position, even. You know, Julian Edelman, you know, at, at Kent State, you know, moved over to the receiver position. I think Lynn Bowden Jr., the athleticism, the versatility, you know, you can do a lot of things, especially in this year's, you know, in in this day and age at the NF, you know, in the NFL level, with what Taysom Hill has been able to do uh there with the Saints, I think you can do a lot of creative things with Lynn Bowden Jr. Uh, he's one of those intriguing picks, and you really want you're curious to see just how fast he is. And so that's going to be fun to watch. And then finally, the last guy that I want to kind of end with is Omar Bayless out of Arizona, or I'm sorry, Arkansas State, 6'3", 207, 93 catches, over 1,600 yards, 17.8 yards per reception and 17 touchdowns. He's one of the best receivers and nobody's talking about. You know, he, he makes, he has a large, <coughs> excuse me, has a large catch radius, but he struggles, I think, at times with some of the, you know, the easier passes, you know, and he'll drop some easy balls. Uh, and that's really concerning in terms of, you know, some of that concentration, um, being able to haul in passes. But, you know, he's a big guy, has long arms, 
and uh, a guy who can make plays down the football field. And, uh, you know, he's somebody who I, I just I hope that he runs well because he's one of those guys from a group of five school. You, you really want to see him perform well at the combine to really get things jump started for him, you know, especially leading into his uh, his individual workouts. You know, that's really what's going to springboard things. You know, you really want people talking about you. And if you're a six three guy running sub four five, that's really going to you know have teams take notice. I keep talking about that. You know, there aren't too many guys that run sub four five with that size. You know, so if we look at at the quarter, you know, at the receiver position, excuse me, you know, and you're talking about some of these receivers and what they ran. You know, it doesn't necessarily translate. You know, Northwestern State's Jazz Ferguson at 6'5", 227, ran a 4'4", 540, didn't get drafted. Um, you know, but you know, you look at, let's see, Miles Boykin out of Notre Dame, really shot up draft boards, went to the Ravens, 6'4", 220, ran a 4'4", 240. Uh, you know, DJ Metcalf, or DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin uh, running in, in the 4'3 range. Um, you know, Darius, Darius Slayton ran a four, three, nine, and you really see what he's been able to do. Um, you know, Mecole Hardman ran a four, four, three, three Paris Campbell battling injuries, ran a four, three, one. Um, so, you know, the, the draft class ne- didn't necessarily mean a whole lot, but, you know, you look at Debo Samuel four, four, eight. So sub four, five, AJ Brown, sub four, five running a four, four, nine, the guy that I really wanted to see play for the Cardinals was Hakeem Butler, 6'5", 227, runs a 4'4", drafted in the fourth round, and ultimately was on IR. He's someone to keep an eye out for uh, next season for the Cardinals. But you know, BC Johnson, 4'5", Nikhil Harry, 4'5", Deontay Johnson going to Pittsburgh, 4'5", um, So those were all receivers that were drafted. You know, running right in that low four five range, like I mentioned. You know, as I scroll down, some of the other guys, Hunter Renfro just running a four five nine, but he was a slot guy and he's more shifty than anything else. Um, let's see. Uh, Riley Ridley got drafted, hasn't really done much. Ran a four five eight. You know, I, the receiver that ran the slowest at the combine who got drafted was uh, Keyshawn Johnson from Fresno State. Uh, ran a four six. Um, you know, and, and anybody that ran slower than a four, six, there were six of them didn't get, uh, I'm sorry, five of them didn't get drafted. Um, you know, you did have our Sega white side run a four, four, nine, uh, at his pro day at six, two, two twenty five. hard to argue with that. Um, you know, Jalen Hurd ended up getting drafted despite, you know, at six, five, two twenty six, despite running, you know, four, six, six, still got himself drafted. We never did get to see Marquise Brown run, but you know, we knew what he could do out on the football field. That's why I'm hoping that Henry Ruggs Jr. gets to run. You want to see some of these explosive receivers uh, and see what they can do in the 40. You know, you see what happens with, with John Ross, what he was able to do. So last year's draft class, obviously you can't really compare everything to, to this year's draft class. Completely different draft class, but I just wanted to, t- some takeaways. You can kind of look at at last year's draft class and how things played out you know, from a draftability standpoint. So it's kind of easy, at least from that standpoint, to look at this year's draft class and kind of pontificate and really kind of, you know, try to determine where they're all going to go. 
and and what that all looks like and you know history repeating itself studying the history of the draft and really getting a better understanding of these types of players where they're going to go and then ultimately where the where the best fit is going to be for them what what their skill set what they bring to the table who fits into the right organization and really what the what their offenses are trying to do that's really what you try to do when you're studying the draft studying uh, each individual draft class. So that's the receiving core. That's really the end of all of the offense. So we've got, gone through our entire offensive class, 174 total players. We talked about most of the players in this podcast. We're coming up on two hours. Hope you've enjoyed all the content. I've enjoyed bringing this to you. As I mentioned We've got uh, some defensive players that we'll be talking about in next week's podcast, Uh, 151 of them to be exact, along with about 12 special teams players that we'll go ahead and cover. That'll get you ready. We'll have all 337 players, uh, or the majority of them, we'll have talked about them in some capacity on this podcast. That'll really get you prepared for the combine, which will be run the following week. And then after the combine is run, we'll have our post com, uh, combine edition and really go through who excelled, who really rose to the occasion, who in this these offensive draft classes, who were the guys that really set themselves apart, who really have some of those question marks, who's going to be that Elijah Holyfield who just runs slower than anybody ever expected, who's going to be some of those guys who run faster than you were expecting to see and really have to send you back to watch the game film? Um, Who were the quarterbacks that really stepped up and played well? Who really kind of shied away? You know, can Steven Montez and Shea Patterson, you know, make an impact or not? Who are going to be the the top guys that are going to run uh, the 40? Are are we going to see Henry Ruggs, LaVisca Chenault? Are we going to see, you know, Jerry Judy and and, uh, Jalen Rager, C.D. Lamb run at the receiver position? Are the running backs all going to be doing the same thing, um, you know, and running? You know, are we going to see Joe Burrow throw? Um, you know, what are the medicals going to look like for some of these guys? You know, that's really when things start start happening. And uh, once we have the combine and we have a lot of those numbers, then we can really start analyzing things. Obviously, you're going to have free agency after that, and really figure out what the team needs are going to be during the free agent process. Try to predict you know i missed on the bucks you know with with devin white i had him going through the majority of my my mock drafts and then the bucks started signing a bunch of linebackers in free agency and i said you know what why would they sign all these linebackers and then turn around and sign devin white so i went made the change messed that up and ultimately what they do they took devin white number five overall so have to trust my gut you know, my initial instinct on a lot of these these uh, these team moves, but we'll go ahead and go through um, you know where teams are, uh, draft needs. We'll also break down each of the positions and who's going where, um, you know, and, and where I see them going in the draft as well. So a lot to cover over the next couple of months. That's getting us ready for the NFL draft set to begin April twenty third, Las Vegas, uh, Nevada, with the Bellagio Fountains as the backdrop. Can't wait to see how they're going to pull this one off. They're going to put the stage apparently in the fountain, potentially sending a, a boat out or, or having the players walk across a bridge. 
I don't know if they're going to be able to pull that off or not, but it'd be really, really cool if they could. So with that said, I hope everybody enjoys their weekend. You know, this is a, a holiday weekend. Some of you may not be working on Monday, President's Day weekend. Um, we'll do this all again next week. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast, pre-combine edition covering the offense. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Until then, everyone, take care, and I am out of here.